for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Oh, welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and we're rocking the original duo today. We got me and Jaden in the house. After, I mean, this is like, besides our post-Super Bowl episode, this is our first episode in a minute. You said almost a month, right? Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's like been a while, but it's good to be back. Got a ton of stuff going on around the league right now, but um, you had a hell of a weekend, man. Over uh, over in D.C., huh? Tell us about it. Yeah, I went to the Tyler, the Creator concert in D.C. on Monday night. It's a little bit of a wreck. We were, like, front of the line. And when they let us in, they, like, the whole time, they were like, this is not VIP. This is general admission. If you're VIP, you got to go wherever. Only general admission in this place. And then I get up in line. They're like, no, this is this is VIP. And we had to go all the way around the outside of the building, get into a line that's like halfway out into the street. Then we had to do it again. Finally got in there. The opener sucked. Vince Staples, who like stage design was really good, but you couldn't hear him because the bass drowned out everything he said. Like we were all just guessing what he said. But Tyler was great, you know, so that was pretty good. I don't know. Maybe it's just Washington sports venues just are absolutely terrible. Oh, but I did. I, I did get to walk out. I guess for some reason I got to walk out of the tunnel. So like, it was like where like the players walk out. I walked right by the wizards locker room. Like that was pretty cool. Um, Dude, Ben Staples. I kind of wish I saw Ben Staples in concert. Like I imagine he would be pretty good. Yeah, he was good, but I couldn't hear anything he said. Like it was all bass. I don't know. Cause the stage was a little bit different. All right. So, Without further ado, let's dive into the big week of news that we had in the NFL. I mean, my label for this news right here, I mean, it's March Madness NFL edition, man. I mean, sports is popping off right now. We got college basketball, obviously, March Madness coming up, uh, conference tournaments going on right now. Um, We've got, what else, what else, what else? Oh, baseball is back so back yeah good good to see that and we got the nfl picking up so let's dive into it shall we all right man so like i said march madness nfl edition and the first thing that we got to talk about yeah baseball's back taylor that's what i'm talking about baby but um yeah, the first thing that we're going to talk about is something that actually just happened, what, like a couple hours ago? And that's Khalil Mack headed from the Chicago Bears to the LA Chargers. Fortunately, unfortunately, we do not have Mitchell McDonald in-house to react to this, but um, in our group chat, sent a little nice clip from Return of the Mack into our group chat 
So those are the kind of vibes he's feeling. But let's dive into the details of this trade. Yeah, fuck Ben Simmons. <laughs> I love it, Taylor. Yeah, the game's coming up. Yeah, he's got a Sixers jersey on. Uh, if we didn't have any issues before we started, we would have been on better track to be done before the game. But we're going to try to hustle it up. <clears throat> but, like I said, Khalil Mack dealt to the Chargers uh, in this trade. Uh, the Bears get a 2022 second-round pick, this year's second-round pick, and next year's sixth-round pick. And the Chargers, in return, end up with Khalil Mack. And it's interesting because Khalil Mack, I mean, we haven't really heard his name in a really long time, it seems like, besides the amount of cap hit that he was hitting the Bears with, you know, he's kind of fell off. For th- there was a long period of time where people thought he was going to be the best defensive player since Lawrence Taylor, you know, and he just hasn't been that. His last 10 sack season was uh, 2018, and he had like four or five straight 10 plus sack seasons. But that's four years ago, man. He's averaged per season uh, 7.8 sacks since then. And he only played seven games last year. So maybe there's a question about the durability of a guy like Khalil Mack. So let's hop into the analysis of this, man. Uh, Do you think the Chargers fleece the Bears by getting Khalil Mack? Or does the contract kind of offset what they got in return. Considering the fact that LA can take it, like they can take on that contract. I think it was an absolute fleecing by LA. I think they won this trade very handily. You're getting a guy who still can be a top five, top seven edge rusher in the league for a second round pick. Like it's not even, they got 17. I I thought for sure that when that trade was done, it would be uh, the Chargers number 17 pick in this draft. If not more than that, but they only give up a second and a sixth, which, I mean, like, regardless of contract, that's a fantastic deal. Not to mention you're putting him on the other side of Joey Bosa. I think this is a fantastic trade for the Chargers, and I just, I can't, I can understand the want to trade him from Chicago's side, but I can't understand how you don't ask for a first-round pick or something, because obviously you want to start building this thing around Justin Fields, and you're not going to get any elite playmakers, any elite, protection for Justin Fields with pick like 50. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that contract is so heavy, man. And I know they have the cap space like right now to deal with it and not really have a problem, but sorry, I'm reposting the, uh, the live notification, but, um, yeah, I mean, $18 million next season, 23 million in 2023 and 23 and a half million in 2024. So that's $20 million in cap that you can't play with for the next three years. You know, like I know they had the cap space this year, but we might be looking back at this even next season and being like, they do have that $23 million cap hit hitting them and they can't spend in free agency how they wanted to. And also you just signed Mike Evans or not Mike Evans, Mike Williams to a big deal three years, 60 million. So that cap is really starting to build up. But where do you put the Chargers in that division now, do you think? 
I still think they're at second. I thought they were second even after the Russell Wilson deal. Um, I could definitely see them winning the division now. I could have seen them winning the division before. Uh, it's pretty much any team but the Raiders can finish in any order at this point because uh, these teams are so good. This is like we thought how good the NFC West was going into last year. This AFC West is twice as good. I mean, you've got three of the top six quarterbacks. You've got Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. Uh, you know, maybe Von Miller finds his way back to Denver. Bradley Chubb's there. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. You've just got playmakers. Big play, big name guys littered all throughout that division. Yeah, that's true. But you mentioned big player guys, like big name guys, like name brand guys. That seems like a lot of what the makeup of the Chargers defense is. Like, you've got the big names. You got Bosa. You got Derwin James. Now you got Khalil Mack. But I think there's some issues, like, foundationally with the Chargers defense. Like, you can throw the big name guys on that defense and call it a good defense. But, I mean, is that really going to work? What do you think? I mean, yeah, like I've talked about it a little bit before. They need to round it out a little bit more, but they still have the draft capital to do so. Like, they can still go out. They, they're they only missing one pick this year, and it's, it's a second-round pick. It's pretty significant, but you can still take a defender with your first pick at number 17. You have the third-round pick. You've got all your picks this year except for that second. So it's not – it's not completely over. Like this isn't what they're going to be walking in next season with. I don't know what their cap situation is after Mac. I can't imagine that they have too much left, especially with Mike Williams contract being 28 million for this year. A lot of that cap is going to go to Mike Williams and Khalil Mack, but you can still pick up some guys on the veteran minimum. It, it, it is Los Angeles. Like you can bring guys here. You've got a superstar quarterback with a player's coach in Los Angeles. It will not be super hard to attract guys to LA. Yeah, for sure. And you said it at the end there. It's L.A., you know. That's a big reason why OBJ ended up with the Rams, you know. It's L.A. It's showtime. And the Chargers, honestly, mm-hmm. before last season started, uh, definitely before the Stafford trade, but maybe even after, you could have said that the Chargers were the better team in L.A., you know. But after the Super Bowl, obviously, we're looking right. at that a little different. Mike's cap hit. Is fourteen million this year, uh, according to Mitchell McDonald. Uh, that's still pretty heavy, man. It's still pretty heavy. That's double digits right there. But I think it's a great signing. But we'll get into that a little later. <clears throat> but we had a lot of fucking trades going on this week, man. It was hard to keep up. We were talking about it before uh, before the podcast, man. You just got into the into the Twitter hemisphere. How's that going? Uh, it's a little tiring having to post, create the graphic for Instagram. Like I just did it today for Khalil Mack. Like you create the graphic for Instagram, you create the caption, then you got to take the caption. You got to put it on Twitter with the hashtags and everything. It's a little exhausting. I was going 50 on 695 yesterday trying to post the Carson Wentz thing. So that was fun. <laughs> um, but it, it's part of the job. Yeah. You know, it's what you got to do. I try, I try and be as quick as possible. My goal is to be whether it's Bleacher Report or ESPN, whichever app gives me the notification first, my goal is to beat them to it. That's, I mean, I'm never going to beat Schefter because that's where I get the information from, but I just try and beat yeah. them. Yeah, if you can beat the ESPN notification or the CBS notification, you're winning. You're winning. And we all appreciate you for it, man. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially the, the Blitz fam out there, but me as well. So, 
All right, let's dive into one of those posts you made on uh, Tuesday, and that is probably the biggest trade that we've seen since, I mean, Matt Stafford, but it was even bigger than Matt Stafford trade, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, especially with the players involved, yeah, I'd yeah. say so. But that is Russell Wilson, Mr. Try Hard himself is headed from Seattle to the Denver Broncos. Um, it's it's crazy because Rodgers, which we'll, not, we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, right before that news, he announced that he was coming back to the Packers. And then, what, like an hour later, maybe not even, Russell Wilson was dealt to Denver. So I guess they were waiting on that a little bit, it seems like. But that's all speculation at this point. But yeah. Russell Wilson headed from Seattle to Denver, one of the best quarterbacks uh, while we've been alive and watching football. Um, But the details of this one, Seattle ends up with Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two firsts, two seconds, and a fifth. Phew! That's, That's pretty deep right there, man. But Denver receives in return Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick so do you think what are you what are your initial thoughts of this trade you know do you think somebody overpaid underpaid what do you think it just felt underwhelming on the seattle side like really? it sounds like a lot you know you get you get three players two first two seconds and a fifth and like that sounds like a lot but that's because it that is first a lot. this year yeah that first this year is number nine that's a good pick and depending on what they do with it, that could prove to be great. That first next year, probably going to be in the 20s, if not the 30s. Um, Drew Locke is of no service to you. You're mm. With that ninth pick, a lot of people seem to be thinking they're going to go in the direction of a quarterback. In most mocks, you're going to see Malik Willis at nine. They might go elsewhere, but if they draft Malik Willis, I highly doubt that they're going to look to Drew Locke for that veteran presence for Malik Willis. Um, so he's, you know, he might not even make their team. He might not even be on the roster heading into next year. Uh, no offense. Good. I think no offense is a solid player. Like he's good. He's young. Uh, but I think he's only got one year left on his deal so he can just walk. I don't know if he's on the fifth year option or what. Um, Shelby Harris is 29. So he's getting up there in age. Another fine average to above average player. It's just, it's Russell Wilson. Like, I I don't know. I just thought there'd be more. I thought for sure, like, I remember watching podcasts, seeing people, like, live react to the trade, and they're like, okay, it's got to be multiple first and, like, Judy. Or, like, wow, do you think they gave up Sertain, too? Like, and then you see that the players are Drew Locke, Fant, and Shelby Harris. Like, when it, Judy was, like, something that I thought for sure was gone. I thought there'd be no way that they keep him, or at least one of the receivers, and then if not that, then you start looking on the defense, maybe another young guy like Sertan or something, but Drew Locke, I I don't know. Just a little underwhelming. Not in my opinion, dude. I There was no way that Jerry Judy was getting dealt. That was one of the conditions, probably, for Russell Wilson. I mean, he saw Judy there. 
uh, first round wide receiver. I mean, he was excited about the guys he was going to have in the wide receiver core, and there was no shot that Judy was going to get dealt. I think this is plenty of return for Seattle's part. I think, I mean, if you think about the Stafford trade, you know, and also when you compare Stafford and Russell Wilson, I know it's a little bit of different comparison compared to the success that they had over their careers, but Matt Stafford was traded for three first round picks. You know, you involve two firsts here and three players and two. Seconds. I think Staff. I think Stafford was two. Was Stafford? I think Stafford was only two. Are we positive? Yeah, it was two and golf. Okay, I'm fairly certain. I'm Maybe. Up yeah, I've been looking. I've been looking at the Commanders' offer for Russell Wilson being three first round picks. I guess I'm kind of associating that, but. No, nah, man. Yeah. I, two two firsts and a third for Stafford. Yeah, two firsts and a third? And, and Stafford and golf? Like, dude, come on, man. Like, this is way better return. And you can't even say that Russell Wilson is, like, ten times the quarterback that Matt Stafford is. I mean, Matt Stafford led this team to the Super Bowl this year. And Russell Wilson, in case we want to forget, uh, was really bad last year when he came back from injury. Now... I'm of a strong belief that he was injured during that time and he wasn't 100%, but still, he looked bad, you know? And when's the last time we've seen peak Russell Wilson? So, it's not like you're trading for Russell Wilson in his prime. The dude's like, what, 33 years old now? So, I think this... Yeah, I mean, Stafford's... I don't know. It just, like... I feel like you could have gotten more. Like, I mean, we you were just mentioning it. Like, you could have gotten more from Washington. I understand you don't want to keep him in the NFC, but how if you're trading Russell Wilson with the current roster that you have, how soon do you expect yourself to be competing again to the point where Russell Wilson being in the same conference as you actually matters? Like, Russell Wilson's only going to be playing in the NFL at, you know, probably six or seven years. Three of those, you're going to be rebuilding, if not longer. You know, if you decide to hold on to Jamal Adams if you decide to hold on to DK and not actually TNT blow this thing up you're going to be holding on to those guys and these these picks aren't going to be that good like your picks will be fine as long as you bottom out but it, it doesn't matter if he's in the NFC if you aren't contending which you shouldn't be with this roster that's fair that's fair um I like Noah Fant a lot I thought that was interesting um it kind of reminded me of the Jimmy Graham trade back in the day, you know, uh, Seattle getting Jimmy Graham, and that's when Jimmy Graham was Jimmy Graham, you know. So they get another big-name tight yeah. end in there. kind of reminded me of that. But anyway, let's take a look at Denver's new-look offense that they got going now. And they got Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick and Javante Williams all on the same side of the ball. So I want to ask you, man, a little debate point. Does Russell Wilson now have the best weapons he's ever had in his career? No, I mean, you could you could certainly make the argument that the argument or the that the weapons that he had just last year were just as good, if not better, than this group of weapons here. The difference really between Denver and Seattle lies on the defensive side. The defense of Denver is vastly superior to what they have in Seattle. I mean, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, Gerald Everett versus 
Judy, Sutton, Patrick, Javante Williams, and Albert O. Like, it's not the wide receivers in Seattle are much better. Javante Williams probably better than Chris Carson. I mean, Gerald Everett, Albert O, whatever. Uh, the offensive line's a little better in Denver, but it's far from perfect. It's, I mean, the offensive side, like I said, the offensive side isn't that much different for us. It's the defense, and you know, they're going to bring a lot. That's going to bring a lot of their success. That's fair. Uh, would you say that the DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett duo is like over now and has been for a while? I don't know. I mean, like we've, I put some out like Lockett might be out of there. I mean, DK is young enough to the point where you can justify keeping him and having him play through this rebuild. Of course, he's probably pissed, but Lockett's 30. I think he's, he's like older. I don't see any point in him sticking around through this rebuild. Uh, I just, I think they'd be better off to move on from him and just build this around DK. Totally fair. And you got a uh, DK's contract coming up next year. Um, I think he might be, yeah, this year was his fifth year option. I'm pretty sure. Well, fifth. And then next year his contract's up. So you can franchise tag him, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, you know? So, but yeah, probably one of the biggest trades we've ever seen in the national football league, maybe an argument for the biggest trade outside of what Herschel Walker, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, crazy shit, man. Crazy shit. I really, really wanted. I had, I had seen plenty of photoshops of Russell Wilson in a Commander's jersey, and it really started to build up hope for a while. You know, like he was on the, he was on the Today Show, and they brought it up to him, and he kind of seemed like, oh, like I want to play on the West Coast, but he what? He didn't like shut it down, but obviously didn't waive his no trade clause, so to come here and all that sending him to the AFC for this NFC bullshit. I think it's bullshit. I think it's exactly that. I think Russell just waved. How, b- no how bad or didn't want to for Washington. And how bad does it hurt though? How bad does it hurt though? That you had a better offer than Denver and you <clears throat> offered, you gave them a better offer than Denver and still didn't get on oh, you. Like that's got, no, it hurts hurt. a lot. Like, that just shows the yeah. representation that we have across the league. Like, what can we do about that? Like, we offered the better deal. Like, it's just our brand. Everybody hates it. Like, nobody trusts, nobody wants to do a deal with the commanders. You know, like, that's sad. We can't fight against a mentality. You know, like, if we're throwing the best offer out there, we can't do much else. So. No, it definitely hurt. And I'd actually tweeted something about Watson. I was like, if we, and this was right after the Denver trade. I was like, if we legitimately want a shot at Deshaun Watson, we need to trade for him before the results of the criminal investigation come out. Because we won't be competing with anybody and we'll be able to get a sticker price discount. But obviously that's not the case anymore because we dealt for another quarterback. (laughs) Which we will dive into just a couple minutes. But but yeah, Seahawks, full rebuild, man. Uh, they released Bobby Wagner, probably the best linebacker that we've ever seen play outside of Ray Lewis. Um, 
London Fletcher, Patrick Willis, those guys while we've been watching football. Luke Keekley. Yeah, Luke Keekley. But um but yeah, definitely up there as one of the best. But yeah, he was released by the Seahawks shortly after the Russell Wilson trade. So they're going full bore, full rebuild. Bobby Wagner, he's thirty one years old now, which would make you think like, oh, he's way past his prime, won't be able to contribute, but I've obviously I'm on uh, Commander's Twitter, and the last middle linebacker signed for us that was in that age range was London Fletcher, and he was probably the best middle linebacker Washington has ever had. So definitely a lot of lot left in the tank for Bobby Wagner. Um, he's eligible to be signed uh, before free agency because he was released. So. What do you think the contract looks like for Bobby Wagner? And do you have any destinations in mind off the top of your head? Well, I mean, from what I've seen, everyone has interest in Bobby Wagner. Everyone, you know, wants to see him on their team, which rightfully so. I mean, he's a vet at a position where there's not a whole lot of vets at this offseason. Um, I've seen Steelers Twitter talking about it a lot, how, you know, you'd want to bring in him who's played a lot with his speed and put him next to Devin Bush, who has been having trouble playing with his speed uh, over the last two years. I think a lot of teams would like to bring that in. I think it'll probably be a one-year deal just because, you know, you don't know what he's going to bring. And I I don't think he'll want to sign like some big three, four-year extension, not knowing what this team's going to be unless he's signing with like Kansas City, where you know that they're going to be a perennial contender. That would be something wild if Bobby Wagner ended up in Kansas City. I mean, it seems like anytime you see a big free agency signing for the Chiefs, it's like the automatic mentality is like, oh, they got a, they got another one, man. Like, I don't know. That's just how I think about Chiefs free agency signings. Just a dynasty that's never going to fold. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think it'll be something like a two-year contract probably um i don't know where he ends up like you said everybody could use bobby wagner on their team uh i know washington would definitely appreciate bobby wagner on the linebacker core but he's not coming to washington he will not that's not gonna happen so maybe you can hold out some hope for uh bobby wagner arrival in pittsburgh but like i said Seahawks going full bore on the rebuild. So that's the end of a dynasty, man. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a dynasty, but definitely the end of an era in Seattle. So got to ask you one word to describe Seattle's run since Russell Wilson. I mean, you got the Legion of Boom. You got Marshawn Lynch in his in his prime, basically. Uh, think back to like Doug Baldwin, guys like that, Golden Tate. Um, then you had Tyler Lockett come onto the scene. One word to describe this run that Seattle's had. A word. I don't know, because like you bring up all that stuff and all that stuff is like pre-2015. Like we've been on a pretty, pretty boring like win a playoff game, maybe win two, maybe don't win any, and then you're done for the last six, seven years now with Russell Wilson. 
So to say the one word is like decline, it's a little rude. Nah, man. That's kind of all that's coming to my mind. No, we're like a value. This is supposed to be a happy thing. We're we're having a funeral Uh, for the Seahawks (laughs) franchise right now. We can't just. Are you gonna say decline at the funeral? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's all I got. All right, man. Fair. How about a? I'll throw a phrase out there. I won't limit it. Yeah. What's your What's your word? Yeah, I was about to say. Put a word out. Um, I'm gonna say new era, because when that Legion of Boom came on to the scene and everything, like the Seahawks were the bandwagon team. You know, like they had the fresh jerseys. Uh, everybody wanted to be a part of that. Like everybody was going out. Neon green. Yeah, exactly. Everybody was into the neon. Um, and they were making Super Bowls, you know, back in what, like, our, when we were in middle school. So it was kind of a new era of football. Like, they were the first team, I felt like, that had some serious swagger, you know, in a long time. That The first football team where I was like, they really burst onto the scene. So, yeah, that's my, that's my word. New era. Because they had... They had a lot of personalities on that team. I mean, Sherman, uh, when you put me up against a sorry-ass receiver like Crabtree, that's what you're going to get. I mean, that was the first time in a while that we had seen that kind of personality on a football team. So, And combined with the rest of the team. So, yeah, new era. That's my one word to describe the Seahawks run. All right. <clears throat> Let's dive into some more madness that we saw from this week. And the one that I have to talk about here and we will debate about is the new, I've been waiting to say this, the new commander-in-chief in Washington. It's wild, man. It's here. Uh, the, the commander, I was always saying once we get our quarterback, I'll call him commander-in-chief. I feel kind of weird about calling Carson Wentz our commander-in-chief, but... um. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. But let's dive into some of the details. So obviously he was traded just yesterday and the commanders receive uh, Wentz, a 2022 second round pick and seventh round pick. And the Colts receive uh, 2022 second and third plus a conditional third round pick um, for next year. That turns into a second if he plays 70% of the snaps. So a big complaint among a lot of commanders fans uh, over this, dude, I just got to say right off the bat, Washington fans are just looking for excuses to be angry these days. I mean, we have a starting quarterback in Washington for the first time since Kirk Cousins. Like, I know that's a hard way to look at it, but like, you also have to take in consideration we're an embarrassment of a poverty franchise. Poverty franchise. That's how we're looked at. I mean, that's that's what the Russell Wilson news told me. Um, we're just a poverty franchise in everybody else's eyes. So this is not going to be a quarterback destination of any kind. I mean, was Watson going to waive that no trade clause? Probably not. So unless he was still going through the criminal stuff. But Yeah, this is the best I felt like we had available to us, you know. So, like I said, a lot of the debate was over the contract. He has a $28 million cap hit this season. 
Um, no guarantee money after that, though. <laughs> Jacob McLaren's in here, man. Go Ravens. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Solid football yeah. take. They uh they just released Tavon Young. I saw that. Kind of small news. A lot of vets getting released today. But um, but yeah, twenty eight million dollar cap hit this coming season. Uh, no guaranteed money after that though. So we could cut him after this coming season if we damn well please. And we had like two million dollars of cap space after the Wentz trade. But news came out today that we're probably going to release um, Landon Collins, which totally fine with that. Uh, hasn't been anything for us really until we switched him into a linebacker role. But um, we need a safety, not a linebacker. So, yeah. What are your What are your thoughts, man? Give me lay it on me. Uh, again, I I watched like two or three different things yesterday, two or three different news outlets, two or three different people. And they all had the same thought of Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, is a wizard. And what is Washington doing? And I I feel the same way. I think if you're Chris Ballard, like, yes, was it, was it a mistake to trade a first for Carson Wentz? Obviously, we know that now. And some teams, when they make a mistake, will hold on to that mistake to, you know, hope that, Maybe next year it looks better and it won't look as bad that we traded a first round pick, but they just, you know, they cut their ties and they moved on and they were actually able to get a two thirds, which could become a third and a second for a player that they don't really want to have. Like they had the report come out that he wanted to talk to Jim Mersey, the Colts owner, and he declined. Like he did not want to talk to Carson Wentz. That was how bad the relationship had gotten, I suppose. But to give up these picks this early to take on all of his money, I think, is just moronic. It's just bad process. Like, I understand that you don't, like, obviously. You say all those picks, like, we surrendered, like, two first-rounders, man. We gave up two third-round picks. No, but for the quality of player that Carson Wentz is at this point and the market value that he has at this point, to take on all that money and give him picks, you could have signed Jameis Winston in a week and a half for $15 million and no draft picks. What I keep hearing this Jameis Winston stuff. What in your mind tells you that Jameis Winston is better than Carson Wentz? I mean, the time that we saw him in New Orleans last year, before he tore his ACL, he was not good. He was not good. He was was solid. Was Carson Wentz great last year? Like, was he phenomenal? No. Jameis Winston was okay, so was Carson Wentz. I think they're probably about the same level of player, but you're paying Jameis Winston half that price, and you're not giving up any draft picks to do so. Jameis Winston... It just it makes more sense. Jameis Winston is more of an idiot than Carson Wentz. I mean, just look at his... And I mean that as far as play recognition. I mean, his decision-making. It sucks. I mean, Jameis Winston... Was the I know I know and everybody We're wants to. We're talking about Carson Wentz. I know. Kane. I know. Guess how many interceptions Carson Wentz had last year? Guess. How many? Seven. Seven. Guess where that ranks? Yeah, I know. Guess and where they that were ranks? All among hilariously the awful. Yeah, Jameis had fourteen for touchdowns, like three interceptions last year. Okay, okay, but Carson yeah. almost threw for thirty touchdowns. 
Um, he had seven interceptions, which was tied for third least among how many, eligible NFL how many quarterbacks. Games, how many games did Jameis play? How many games did Jameis play? Mm, I don't know. Because he, if he had a fourteen to three, and I think he, I think he probably played like half the season. I think that Bucks Saints game was week nine, so he played half the season. He has fourteen to three. If you span that out over a, over seven a full games. season, that's twenty eight to six. That. Yeah, okay, so even less. But let's say it was eight, and you span it out, you double his number, 28 to 6 touchdown interception ratio. That's exactly what Carson Wentz had. Okay. Or what? Carson Wentz was worse. And you're paying Jameis Winston half, maybe $20 million on the top end. You're paying him $20 million a year, and you don't have to give up two day two picks that you need. We were also, you got to think about, we probably would have had to give Jameis Winston, what, like a three year deal? And mostly guaranteed money. Um, we only have one year guaranteed of Carson Wentz. We can cut him after this coming. I season. don't think you do have to give him three years. I mean, he's coming off a torn ACL. He's got to understand that this is probably going to be a prove it type deal. He, that's that's going to be the offer he gets from a lot of teams. Is like, you know, you are coming off a torn ACL. You we only got to see you for seven games, and the year before that, you're a backup. Like we don't really know what this is, so we're not going to give you a three four year deal would probably be a prove it deal. Like I just I don't understand. It's bad process and like that's kind of what you've come to expect from watching at this point. And I understand you don't want to get left out. Like that's that's one hundred percent understandable. And you don't want to find yourself like after Watson's been traded and Wentz has been traded for and Winston's been signed and you're looking at, you know, Mitch Trubisky and Tyrod Taylor and you're like, oh man, do we have to do this again and we have to waste another year. But like there were options, there were other options, and I, I just feel like that mixed with the compensation, the fact that you had to take on all the money this year, it's bad. It's bad. this year. That's it. Still, I mean, this regardless whether it's this year or however long, like you had, this is the most cap room you're going to have for a while. Thirty million dollars. We'll so have like, that cap room back next year. I mean, we'll probably give Terry the extension. Yeah, but you've got to. But... Ch- yeah, you've got to give Terry an extension. Then once you do that, the next year you got to give Chase Young an extension. I don't know what Jonathan Allen's situation is. I don't know what he just um, got signed to a three. Uh, Deron Payne's situation Deron is. Deron Payne's probably out of town. Montez Sweat. Um, Montez. Montez Sweat needs mm-hmm. money. Yeah, that's fair. I, in my personal opinion, out of the quarterbacks that we had to choose from that were not Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Carson Wentz was probably the best choice. I mean, Jameis has never played an MVP level. Uh, Carson Wentz should have won an MVP in 2017. Carson Wentz is the only quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards in a season without a 500-yard receiver. So now you get Terry McLaurin, one of the best young wide receivers in the league. He's never had a wide receiver like that. You could have argued that Michael Pittman was, you know, somewhat in line with Terry McLaurin, but Terry McLaurin's more of that big play kind of guy, you know, like Michael Pittman's like, you throw it to him, you know, he's going to catch the ball, but like you can hit deep passes to Terry McLaurin and Carson Wentz, probably a top five arm in the NFL, you know, just in general. So now the decision making obviously is probably bottom five in the league, but I don't know what to tell you, man. Out of 
out of the mid-level quarterbacks that we could have chosen, I prefer Carson Wentz. I mean, he has MVP-like potential. He's still a young guy. Um, he's younger than Jameis, too. Um, he had he was ninth in QBR last year. Like everybody wants to think that every game he played last year was the Jacksonville game. And they think back to plays like That's very true. the play against uh, the Titans with his flip. Like, of course, that was probably it's one just... of the worst NFL plays ever. Ever. But everybody wants to treat it like this is every game. Like, does anybody remember what happened on Christmas Day against the Cardinals, who were one of the best teams in the NFL at that time? Uh, Carson Wentz on Christmas Day goes down to Arizona, at Arizona, and throws the game-winning touchdown on the run, like, in the back of the end zone. How do you find that guy? Like, he makes plays like he could be a top-ten quarterback in this league. So, give him a weapon like Terry McLaurin. Give him a solid... Uh, Jonathan Taylor wasn't catching a whole ton of passes last year. Uh, Gibby's going to be catching a lot. Um, but... Jonathan Taylor had like 1600 yards was a was in the conversation for offensive player of the year. The defense was great and yeah, it was one game that they should have won towards the end of the season, but the fact that they were even in that situation with that roster and they didn't make the playoffs, like what's your end goal if you're watching like you bring Carson Wentz in, he's an upgrade over Taylor Heineke for sure, but like what are you what are you 9 and 8, 10 and 7 and you make the playoffs, you're like a 7 point underdog, you lose and you're like, oh shit, now do we cut Carson Wentz? Do we go get another guy? Do we run it back with Carson Wentz? And you have no other options again. And you just gave up two picks for him. Uh, like, what is what is the ceiling of this team? Right, with Carson Wentz, what is the ceiling of this team? With Carson Wentz playing like he has at times in his career, um, I think we could win the division. Easy. I mean, there's problems to in expect, Dallas right now. To expect that from Carson Wentz, to expect that from Carson Wentz consistently just isn't realistic anymore. Like, we haven't seen top-level play out of him consistently in five years. Like, to ask that out of him in a new situation, I just, I don't think it's realistic. And if we get Carson Wentz of last year, like I said, this is a this is a 9-8, and 10-7 and team that walks in, they're seven-point underdogs in the playoffs, and they lose. And that's it. We picked, and and you're right back where you are this year with less with less capital. I felt like I've said it like three times. We picked the best mid level quarterback that we could for this year. Um, we're not signing up for him for the next like four years or anything. I mean, the contract lasts that long, but like I've said a hundred times, we can cut him after next year. Um, we've talked a lot about how next year's quarterback class is a lot better. So. This is a bridge gap. This is a gap quarterback. So, out of gap quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, sure. The guy who got traded for a first last year and didn't really get a fair shot in Indianapolis because everybody wants to remember Jacksonville. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, Mitchell said... How did he not get a fair shot? A fa- like, everybody just wants to Gracious. treat it like every game was that Yeah, now game. he had a fair shot. He had a fair shot all year. He had a fair shot walking into every game. At no point were they like, oh, my God, here we go. It's cars. It, he had a fair shot. They were trying to give him a new chance. He, he had the offensive, unarguable offensive player of the year candidate running behind him. 
and they, he couldn't get the job done. Like, how do you not make the playoffs? Like also, that? a guy like Carson like, Wentz. with the defense, everything. Else. He probably felt like in the limited opportunities that he did have to throw um, with Jonathan Taylor getting all that work, maybe he felt like he needed to do more with less, you know? And maybe that's why he was making those idiotic plays. Maybe... He knew his time was coming up in Indianapolis, so he had to make plays like that. It just didn't work out in his way, you know? So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Mitchell ends this conversation with uh, a good offensive line. Helped hide how bad Wentz was under pressure last season. Washington won't be able to, do, won't be able to hide that. Um, that's just blatantly not true. Um, that's untrue. Uh, it's untrue. Yeah, we had a top 10 team in pressure rate uh, last year for our offensive line. And we've been preparing for Brandon Sheriff leaving for two years now. So we'll be okay, buddy. Thanks, though. Thanks, though, for that shot. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of offended by that. Anyway, um, with all these trades happening, bro, it's kind of like that Rams mentality across the league. Fuck them picks. I mean, we saw on Super Bowl, for the Super Bowl parade, um, Les Steed was rocking his shirt saying, fuck them picks. So it seems like that mentality is bleeding over into the rest of the league. So do you think we're in a new era of the NFL where draft picks carry a lot less weight? I think the fact that L.A. was able to win a Super Bowl in the first year uh, of them doing that in the first, well, not really the first year of them doing that, but the year that they trade for Matt Stafford, they walk in and they win a Super Bowl immediately. I think that's going to fuel that a lot. And we're going to see that a lot from teams that might not be ready. Like the Rams were granted, like they traded for Jalen Ramsey. Like they traded for some of these guys before Stafford. And, but that team was ready. Like Denver, I think Denver's ready. Denver's pretty close to ready. To like say like Carolina needs to buy in right now to go get a court. They're not ready. Like the defense is good, but the offensive line is awful. And Robbie Anderson might be on the way out the door. Christian McCaffrey's made a glass. Like you don't have a whole lot on that offense to be able to support a quarterback. Like a team like that is not ready. There are teams that are ready and there are teams that are not ready. And teams that are thinking about doing this need to know the difference between are we ready to do this? I think Pittsburgh, while the offensive line isn't quite there, the defense is good enough. You've got the playmakers right now. I think you should be able to make a play like that. Miami is another team. Like, if you really feel like you can, then you should. But you need to realize what you have in front of you because if you give up all this, like, you know, two, three first round picks, and your roster's not there, or if your roster is there and you decide after Watson's gone, maybe you say, okay, we need somebody. Let's go do this for Derek Carr. Like, that's you're 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 screwing yourself essentially because he's not that guy. He's not a Matt Stafford level of player. He's not a Deshaun Watson level of player. So just make sure you know who you're going to get and make sure you know what you've got right now. Yeah, that's totally fair. You definitely need to got some dishes banging out there. Somebody's having a time. But um but yeah, you definitely, I totally agree with you. You need to recognize if you're in position or not. But I think this, I think it's a new era of if you're ready, you know, it's not just sign that free agent. It's trade your next three first rounders for a quarterback and don't think about it. You know, instead of trading for, instead of trading up in the draft, 
I think a lot of teams are going to be trading for current guys now in the league. You know, like with you think back to like I think I think of the uh, Seattle Washington trade or the Rams Washington trade uh, for the RG three pick. You know, and that was the biggest yeah. trade that we had seen in a long time. But it was to move up in the draft, and we've seen a lot of teams in recent years move up in the draft with a significant trade but not trade for these quarterbacks that are currently starting you know so I think it also reflects a mindset among the league like maybe quarterbacks like we can move on from quarterbacks like this isn't teams are much more willing to move on from a potential franchise guy well and that was my next point was in the same breath, like, you have to have a franchise quarterback to win. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo making it to the Super Bowl, that's somewhat of an anomaly because that was a fantastic roster. And you saw just a year later after that, they go up and get Trey Lance to try and raise that ceiling for that team. And how many more quarterbacks are we going to see become available? Like, these last two offseasons, we've had a crazy amount. Like, Deshaun Watson asked for a trade last offseason. Russell Wilson maybe, maybe doesn't ask for a trade last offseason. The whole Aaron Rodgers debacle. Stafford wants out. And then Rodgers, Watson, and Wilson carry into this offseason. How many more? Like, Kyler Murray has been talked about at great length uh, about him maybe wanting out. But of the top quarterbacks left in the league, I mean, Burrow probably not leaving anytime soon. Herbert, Mahomes. Allen, Lamar, like, I don't really see any of those guys leaving anytime soon. So to see like a superstar, like a true superstar quarterback be traded again, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon outside of potentially Kyler Murray, but you never know. I mean, we could have Dak Prescott or uh, Lamar Jackson come out and request a trade tomorrow and we would never know. I think you mentioned Dak Prescott. He'll be the next quarterback to go. I feel like if it's really not working out in Dallas, after this year um it's funny i saw i don't know if that was true or not and i think it was tyler that sent it into the chat but um after the playoff loss amari cooper and dak got into it in the locker room and he called him the uh the black kirk cousins (laughs) that's that's probably the meanest thing that you could say to somebody (laughs) so it's accurate there you go but yeah i think i said it i said it when they signed him but, Dak know. will be the next guy to go Here's on that name. contract. He'll be the next guy to go. So, all right, let's move on to our uh, next topic that we got to cover, and that is, and it's crazy. Um, Aaron Rodgers always wanting to be the guy at center stage, but he makes it down to what, like topic five of the day? Come on, Aaron, dude, you're just you're not hot shit anymore, bro. I guess. Um, the Packers think so because they offered a four-year, $200 million contract for him to return to Green Bay. And that contract hasn't been confirmed yet, but it has been confirmed that Aaron Rodgers is, in fact, headed back to Green Bay for another four years. We'll see if he plays out that entire contract, but he's headed back to Green Bay. Um, he announced that on Tuesday. Um, like I said, four years, two hundred million is looking what it's looking like, what it's going to be like, and that will be the largest contract in NFL history. Um, how pissed do you think Rodgers was that the Russell Wilson news dominated the day instead of his? 
I don't like I don't understand why this like egotistical craziness is with Aaron Rodgers. Like I don't understand where it comes from. I am really mad. I am pissed about A him not being a stealer. But B, the fact that everyone's like, why are you taking fifty million dollars? Like be more like Brady if you want your team to like what? He's he is the back to back MVP and then to ask him to take literally half of what they're they're planning on paying him. It's ridiculous. Like you'd like to do that. If I'm a Packers fan and he takes a $25 million deal, I'm, I'm so happy, but to expect him to do that is ridiculous. And then to call him selfish or whatever, just it's dumb. I think it's dumb. I don't think the ego stuff just surrounds. I mean, dude, take for example, um, he trolled everyone about a decision on the Pat McAfee show. Remember he came out of that, cleanse or whatever the fuck it was and he was like he posted something like really super cryptic on instagram where it was he was grateful for his teammates and all this stuff like you think he was just doing that because yeah, he thought it was a he good started idea. The, he, like oh i just feel so grateful he right started now. <laughs> he started the show with uh, there will be no announcement today like he didn't like carry it on and was like oh yeah and i'm staying with the packers like at the end of his interview like he was See, like, well, then, I don't know. if he did that, it would have been a world war against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it would have been so obvious. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. He loves playing with the media, man. He loves it. That's one of his favorite. And I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I love Aaron Rodgers. He's probably my favorite football player in the league. He's got swagger, man. And if everybody's paying attention to you, uh, especially the media who's had a history of pissing you off, um, fuck it. Why not? Why not play with him? I give him credit. So, but yeah, he's headed back to Green Bay, indeed. Um, and shortly after the Rodgers news, um, the Packers ended up franchise tagging Devontae Adams, which a lot of people expected, especially after the Rodgers deal. Um, but I want to ask you, bro, are the Packers the bona fide best team in the NFC, hands down, for the next four years with that quarterback situation and the NFC right now. I mean, it's barren. Who's going to stand up to Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? I'm curious. It's barren, but there's no way to say that. Just They might be the best team next year, and they might not even be the best team on paper just because you're walking in and you're giving him potentially $50 million. That's almost a fourth of your cap. And, like, you've got a lot of guys to bring back. Jair Alexander's going to need to be paid soon. Devontae Adams is about to be asked to be paid like the best receiver in the NFL, which he is. You just paid Aaron Jones. you got to pay David Bakhtiari. You've got to pay Kenny Clark. You've got to bring back Devondre Campbell if you want him back. If you want Rasul Douglas, you got to pay him. This isn't going to be cheap. Like, they're going to run out of money eventually, and somebody's going to have to end up going. I mean, Bakhtiari is him and him and Aaron Rodgers are boys, so I don't think that he will be like a cap casualty or anything. But yeah, they might be the best team next year. But to say next four years is really I think hard it'll to be say. Aaron Jones. I think that'll be the guy to go. Um, they did give him that well, contract. Yeah, but just now he's what. But when it comes to running backs, um, they are especially with the history that we've seen with. Zeke's contract and other contracts, um, running backs shouldn't get paid the big bucks, you know? Uh, you can make the Super Bowl with... Ha- I mean, we've been following the narrative for 
ever. Like, look at the teams that win Super Bowls. I mean, the Rams. Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle, and Cam Akers, who all played like shit in the Super Bowl. I mean, you don't... You truly do not need a running back, you know? But, anyway, my point is, I think um, Aaron Jones will be the first guys to go to try and create some cap. But, like you said, Devontae Adams is going to get a historic deal. I mean, it'll probably be the largest wide receiver contract in NFL history. So, if you have the largest wide receiver contract in NFL history and the largest overall contract in NFL history on the same cap, does not mean good things. Does not mean good things. With a lot of other high-profile players, I mean, you're talking Bakhtiari, Elkton Jenkins, Jerry Alexander, Zadarius Smith's probably going to be cut this offseason. Preston Smith's probably going to be cut this offseason. You've still got Kenny Clark on the roster, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. Like, this is a team with a lot of guys that deserve to be paid, and you give Aaron Rodgers $50 million, maybe you deserve it, but it's going to screw you in the long run. I know, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good talk there. So that brings up the question though, with Jordan Love in the back seat officially in Green Bay, do you think he gets a starting job in the NFL next year? Uh, and if not next year, do you think he'll get a job ever as a starting quarterback in the league? Well, you and me have talked about it, but if Deshaun Watson is not a Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, going into next season, I want it to be Jordan Love as our starter. I think he would cost a second second round pick, something like that. Um, when they was drafted as a first round pick two years ago, this is a bad quarterback class. Jordan Love is probably would be the best quarterback in this class if he came out. Um, and he's like he's younger than he's twenty three. He's younger than Malik Willis. Like it's basically like drafting a rookie, but you're getting him for a second round pick because what you've seen in the one game that he's played in two years wasn't overly phenomenal. You're getting a guy who was, like I said, would probably be the top quarterback in this class, and he's been playing under Aaron Rodgers for the last two years. I think getting him for a second round pick would be an absolute steal if Green Bay is willing to take calls on him. I think all these teams that are looking at a quarterback in this draft need to call Green Bay about Jordan. Totally Love. fair. Um obviously there's a lot of concern though because I mean they did draft him to be the successor to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they did not expect him they did not expect to give Aaron Rodgers a four year, two hundred million dollar deal when they drafted Jordan Love. Well, I don't think they expected Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they expected Aaron Rodgers to win back-to-back MVPs. No. It's kind of hard to let that yeah, guy walk no, out the door. That's very true. That's very true. But what we saw in from Jordan, I'm a Jordan Love advocate. Like we were talking about it uh, in during the regular season. I mean, you can't judge the guy off of one game. I mean, he's just had practice time outside of that. You know, he's basically a rookie quarterback last year. So, but he's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. I'm just concerned, like, the Packers must have thought he was really concerning to give. And I know that's a totally fair point. Like, Rodgers went back-to-back MVP. Uh, hard to let that guy walk out of the door. But I heard stuff from insiders, like, on Twitter and NFL Live that at the Combine, they, the Packers were just going around blatant, blatantly saying, Jordan Love is not our guy. Like, we don't feel confident that he could start today. 
um, yada, yada, yada. So two years in a league and you don't feel confident well, that he could start yet? Then, kind of scary. Then in my opinion, I mean, you got to move him then. Like, it's fine to have a quality backup, but a quality backup that you could get a second-round pick for, that's very, very val- – a second-round pick is much more valuable than a quality backup at a position that you hope that guy never has to play. Uh, we talked about it with Carson Wentz where you're like, man, we just traded a first-round pick for him. Maybe we should hold on to him for another year and just hope things work out and hope we need him, something like that. you got to learn to cut your losses. You've got to learn to be able to say, we screwed up. Let's try and move on from this before it's worse because – if we don't see Jordan Love next year because Aaron Rodgers never gets hurt, and then we don't see him again, you're you're looking at his fifth year option. Like, well, we haven't we've seen him play one game of football. Why why should we give him like a you know fourteen fifteen million dollar fifth year option when we've only seen him play one game? And then you let him walk for nothing, and you have a first round pick that played one game and is now signing with another team. Why why would you hold on to that guy for that long? I just I, I think you have to trade him if you're Green Bay at this point. You can find a quality backup elsewhere. How eerily similar this is to the Jimmy G situation in New England. Isn't it wild? Like it's almost like the same thing. Like you drafted yeah. him to be the successor yeah. of your franchise quarterback that's led your franchise for almost twenty years. So it's so similar, but there was a reason they didn't feel comfortable with Jimmy G. So they dealt him out, and many years later, we're looking at Jimmy G as a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, you know? So, anyway, that was – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it's fun. Uh, like you were like you were saying, um, like the similarities, like the fact that they, you know, drafted him to be that successor, but then both quarterbacks didn't exactly age as they thought they would. I mean, Tom Brady, I believe, went on to win two Super Bowls in three years after they took Garoppolo, and then Aaron Rodgers has won back-to-back MVPs. Right. Notice the difference there? Super Bowls, MVPs? Mm. Nah. Ah, nah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on from the uh, Aaron rodgers Jordan Love talk. And... Let's move on to some franchise tags that we saw handed out this week. Um, We had the franchise tag deadline this past week. Um, And some extensions that were handed out, uh, one specific. Uh, Let's run through it. So, the Buccaneers end up franchise tagging Chris Godwin. Uh, The Jags end up tagging Cam Robinson, which definitely a shocker there. Uh, The Cowboys... End up tagging Dalton Schultz. The Chiefs end up tagging Orlando Brown. Bengals tag Jesse Bates. The Browns tag David Njoku, which was a shock to a lot of people. But the price tag for the franchise tag was so low this year for tight end, so might as well. Uh, The Dolphins did the same thing with their tight end, uh, tagging Mike Jacecki. And the Chargers, we mentioned it, gave Mike Williams... That three-year, $60 million contract with a $21 million signing bonus. That's something serious. But what are your thoughts, man, from uh, this list of tags? Some of them didn't make sense to me. Obviously, the Cam Robinson one screams, why did you do that? Because you have the number one pick. Evan Neal is arguably the number one player. Even if you don't like Evan Neal, you could take Ike McQuana, you could trade down, you can get Charles Cross if you really wanted to. Uh, you got so many options. Plus, you've got Walker Little that can play right tackle for you. 
So that really takes them out of Evan Neal and pretty much solidifies them going uh, edge rusher, specifically Aiden Hutchinson. Not really something like Cam, Cam Robinson was fine last year, but when you have the opportunity to make an upgrade that big, I don't see why you don't do it. Um, Dalton Schultz didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, he's fine, but, like, okay, some somebody else will pay him. Like, all the cap problems that you have and you're going to prioritize Dalton Schultz, like he's okay. Like he's an average tight end. He's good at he's okay at everything. He's good at everything. Um, and Joku, another one. Like I think you just let him hit the open market. If somebody else pays him, they pay him. You just gave Austin Hooper like ten million two years ago. Why not play that guy? Um, and if Njoku doesn't get paid by anybody else, then you just bring him back. And simple as that. Uh, and the Jesse Bates one. If I'm a Bengals fan, that's concerning. Like the fact that a deal isn't really already in place. For Cincinnati, like how how do you not have he's your best defensive player? Um, like I feel like you should have that ready to go already. Um, but they didn't, so they're going to give him the tag. Maybe maybe just to buy time, but I don't know. I yeah, thought no, that was a weird. I mean, one. I can see your concern. Um, I don't think Bengals fans should be running for the hills quite yet. Uh, the franchise tag is quite common, um, and he should be paid like one of the best safeties in the league. So to give him the franchise tag, to give him that highest paid number this year, uh, makes a lot of sense, you know? Why not tag him? Um, you've got all the cap space to do it. Uh, some other thoughts, David Njoku, I mean, obviously not a guy that hops off the page to you, but he is a big factor in that play-action game that they got in Cleveland. Um, Austin Hooper doesn't really seem to fit that play action mold. Um, but when Baker was playing healthy and playing well, he was looking for David and Joku. So, I mean, I like that. And like I said, with the price tag so low for the franchise tag, might as well tag him. Um, Chris Godwin, I thought was surprising, uh, considering we don't know the quarterback that's going to be in Tampa Bay next year. I mean, why wouldn't you start? getting going on a rebuild, you know, like let that guy go, uh, free up some of that cap. I think that there's just too much, too much talent left on that team to like actually blow it up. Like you would literally have to send out slash cut 10 or 12 players, um, 10 or 12 quality players to be able to blow that up, like actually blow it up and to, you can't really extend Chris Godwin either. He's got the ACL, I think, a one-year prove-it deal on the franchise tag. That makes That's a lot fair. of sense. That's fair. And you talked about Cam Robinson. He was good. He was fine. He was a solid left tackle in the league. But I don't I don't get it, man. Like, you should have gone tackle with first overall, especially with uh, Aquanu and Neal are probably better overall prospects. Then a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, would you disagree with that? I mean, I think Evan Neal is a better overall prospect. I still would have Hutchinson above Aquanu on my big board, especially for what Jacksonville's going to want to do, which is likely, you know, hopefully the eventual goal is to start throwing the ball more because you have Trevor Lawrence and Aquanu is much more of a run blocker. Like, I, I could totally understand if you're Jacksonville and you have Charles Cross in front of Ikem Aquanu just because he fits more of what you're going to do and you trade down to get him. But I, I just, 
you you have this premium asset in Trevor Lawrence and you have the opportunity to protect him with another premium asset and you just choose not to do so. And I, I don't understand that. You can find edge help to play alongside Josh Allen. For I would team. say I don't agree with it. I understand it because, I mean, the Jags are a laughing stock. So they're looking to make a splash with this number one overall pick. And drafting a lineman is not a splash. And Jags fans in general aren't very smart um, because they haven't seen good football teams there. I mean, I'm sorry to any Jags fans listening. I didn't mean to throw any shade, but you got to throw splashes out there to satisfy that fan base. And drafting an offensive lineman with the first pick is not a splash. So I understand it. Don't agree with it. So. All right, let's move on to uh, after we had these some extensions handed out and these franchise tags. Uh, let's run through quickly uh, some notable free agents we got coming up. So, Von Miller on the market. Allen Robinson on the market. Bobby Wagner, mentioned him earlier. Chandler Jones, Tyron Matthew, a pair of Chiefs, right? Wait, no. I was thinking of Chris Jones. Um, but, yeah. Chandler Jones and Tyron Matthew on the market. Uh, Jason Jackson, who we might have thought would get a franchise tag, but doesn't. Um, Akeem Hicks, who really had a nice season in Chicago, was in the running for Defensive Player of the Year for a little bit. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, looking to bounce back from his subpar season in Cleveland. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Melvin Gordon. And Amari Cooper on the market after he's expected to be released by the Cowboys. Uh, I heard something today from uh, Schrager, that Pete Schrager, that they probably announced that they were going to release him and leak that just to see what kind of value they could get back for Amari Cooper to see if like, like they expected teams to call them and say, hey, whoa, 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 before you release him outright. Uh, hear my offer real quick. So I think that was smart from the Cowboys perspective. Um, Quick thoughts on Amari Cooper not being in Dallas next year. Putting all the eggs in one basket for Michael Gallup. I mean, it definitely. Seemingly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. Like you've, you've got to cut costs. And I, I talked about it when they extended deck, like you're this roster that you're putting out next year is not going to be the same moving forward because you're paying him so much money and just to be a, you know, above average guy, like he's not really going to raise your floor. He's not going to raise your ceiling and you're going to start having to let guys go. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence was also being talked about as a potential guy that could be let go. Like, thank God they drafted Michael Parsons who they're going to have on cheap money for the next four years to carry their defense because they're not going to be able to pay anybody for a long time because they've got deck. They're going to let Amari Cooper go. Zeke's going to be let go. I mean, you can call that a loss if you want, but this is the result. This is a result of Dak, and he's going to end up paying for it because now he doesn't have one of the best receiving trios in the league next year. He's going to have CD lamb and Michael Gallup. CD lamb's really going to have to step into that superstar role, but we know he can. Oh, Mitchell told you, uh, Jaden, don't tune into the game. Is something Philly not doing solid? Nice. I think something's. Yeah, I was. I got. Nah. I guess not. It's okay. It's okay. 
It's fine. I'm happy. But yeah, with um, Amari Cooper now on the market, he becomes the most coveted wide receiver. And in a free agent class, that includes Allen Robinson, too. So it'll be interesting to watch for sure. For sure. All right. So to conclude our podcast with the last little segment we got, and that's just the post-combine mock draft that we just released today. You and Mitchell came out with your own versions of uh, mock draft 3.0 after the combine that we saw this past weekend and at the end of Mm -hmm. last week. Um, I want to ask you real quick. We were debating in the chat over the combine's legitimacy and whether or not teams really look at the combine, you know, um, what changes would you make to the combine to make it more, I don't know, more of a valuable evaluation method? What, what kind of changes would you make? I mean, as it, as it stands and as what it is, it's about as valuable as it's ever going to be because a lot of teams obviously are going to value tape over, you know, watching a guy in a gym run a 40 yard dash or something like that. Like seeing a three cone or, you know, seeing the broad jump or something like that to see explosiveness is cool, but it's never going to compare to what you're going to see in an actual game. And to ask these guys to go out and play full speed 11 on 11 is just not doable at this point Um, before the draft, you know, could potentially kill their draft stock, make them lose out on millions of dollars. So it just is what it is. Like you're going to keep it and it's going to stay this way. There's not really a whole lot you can do to change it or make it better, but it's just, it's, it's not as valuable just because it's not game tape. You can, you can't see game speed and stuff like that. I totally agree. It's not even near as valuable as game tape, obviously, because it's not actually playing football. It's just working out and running around cones and shit. But to say that it doesn't affect a person's draft stock is delusional. That's just not true. I mean, we've seen guys rise and fall strictly based on the combine. I mean, they they go back and look at the tape, like you said in the chat. Like, they do go back and look at the tape and realize why they like them, but then they also correlate things that they saw at the combine into the tape, you know? And they can see whatever it is, like, oh... His his agility is like he's he can't move as fast. But like to say that it doesn't affect your draft stock is ridiculous. That's just not true. It's not that it doesn't affect. I will say like as far as like comparing the drills and stuff go, the interviews and the medical processes those are more important than whatever forty time they run or when any anything like that. Like t- that's why teams go is to be able to talk to these guys, be person to person with them. But like. The the reason why we had this conversation was Kyle Hamilton running what a four five nine uh, four six um which is a little bit high. Yeah, whatever. 6-ish. Um, regardless five, of that, six-ish. <laughs> basically. All right. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Um, but he's like a foot and a half taller than you would ever ask a safety to be. He makes up for all of that with range and. Even if he does run a four six, he had all of his other measurables were good, and he has game speed. Like you've seen it in games. Like uh, who was it? Todd McShay moves him up in his draft even after the combine. Like yeah, some people are going to see him fall, but other people are going to see him rise. Just I, I've talked about it over and over again. Generational safety prospect. 
Um, if he was this good, if he was as good at safety, at edge rusher, or at left tackle, or at quarterback, he would be the number one pick. It's just the fact that he's a safety that has him sitting in the middle of the top ten. But I don't, I don't think he's going to fall. Gotcha, much. gotcha. Well, speaking of guys rising and falling, and draft stocks in general, and generational prospect talents like Kyle Hamilton, um, give it to me, man. What you got in your mock draft? Go ahead, shoot. Um, I mean, I guess I can just hit on a couple like uh, headlines or whatever. I did have Aiden Hutchinson going one. Uh, that was one difference that me and Mitchell had. I think we only had six or seven players that were the same uh, same pick in both mocks. Um, but I have Aiden Hutchinson going one. I think that the fact that they franchise tagged Cam Robinson does, in fact, mean something. Because Evan Neal, like, you could put Ika McQuanu inside at guard and then run Cam Robinson and Walker Little on each tackle. I don't think you could put Evan Neal in at guard. So I think they're going to go Aiden Hutchinson. I had the Giants move up from five up to two. They traded a second and a third to get Evan Neal since he did not go number one. They want to be able to secure that because, you know, the Texans and Jets could both be thinking about tackle at three and four. So they move up and get him. Kayvon Thibodeau goes to Houston at three. Kyle Hamilton goes to the Jets at four. And then Ika McQuanu goes to the Lions at five. Uh, I had Ahmad Gardner going to the Giants at seven. Malik Willis was the first quarterback off the board to Seattle. Um, the Jets would get the first I receiver in Garrett Wilson. Um, Your Washington Commanders. Is there any around. chance that Seattle trades that pick in a trade involving Deshaun Watson, do you think? I highly doubt it just because like you're like I said to you guys, like you're putting yourself back in the same position with a guy who's three or four years younger. Like if you go get Deshaun Watson, yes, this is a weak NFC, but you're putting yourself once again without draft picks and you're going to be, you might win the division. You might not. You're going to be a fifth or sixth seed. You're going to win a playoff game and then you're going to lose. And it's right. It's right back to where you were with Russell Wilson. I just don't see the, gain in that and you're probably gonna have to give up even more than what you got for russell wilson so like while that was a thing for the couple hours after the trade i just i can't see it happening okay just wanted to um ask but i i definitely yeah i definitely could see a quarterback them taking a quarterback here because like i've said drew lock just he doesn't have it um and you might as well start with a guy who's who needs a lot of development like malik willis um put him in an offense with weapons and stuff and just you know, hope something works out with him. He's very traitsy and you've got time now. You've bought yourself a lot of time. Unfortunately, I think Pete Carroll's probably out the window. Now, if Pete Carroll like comes out and says, I'm back, then this is not a quarterback because he's not going to, he's not going to stay here for a rebuild. Um, and Malik Willis, it's not good for Malik Willis to go from, you know, your rookie season, your first season in the NFL, you have Pete Carroll, and then you go get a 35 year old coach and the whole philosophy changes. But, Moving on, uh, your commanders grab Drake London, big receiver to go with Carson Wentz. Um, one pick that I haven't seen like at all, weirdly enough, was Jordan Davis to Baltimore at 14. I really like that because they're about to lose a lot of their interior defensive line. And I just think that they could really develop a guy like Jordan Davis. Like they could really turn him into something. I mean, we talked, we've talked about the combine, but talk about a guy that really got helped by the combine. I mean, this was a guy that was like floating around in the twenties, you know, just because there's concerns because he can't rush the passer like at all, but 
he runs a four seven nine at that size. Like that's that's crazy. So if you can get that guy at fourteen, it gives I think me that's a steal for Baltimore. Uh, uh, another sorry. pick that I it really, gives me Don Terry Poe vibes. Like you saw his workout yeah. and one of the best workouts ever at the combine for a guy that size. And Don Terry Poe, despite I mean he wasn't the massive dinosaur person that Jordan Davis is, but it didn't really translate to the NFL, you know? And since he can't rush the passer at all, I mean, when you watch the tape, he has no pass rush moves, like, at all. Like, he doesn't use his arms at all. He just moves forward with a very big body and stops the run. And a run stopper is very useful in the NFL, but like you said, no pass rush skills whatsoever. So, anyway, continue. Yeah. And that and that's something that the Ravens are going to want to do a lot. I mean, they like to stop the run. They're playing in a division with Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, and Nick Chubb. Like you, you need to be able to stop the run. And I, I think they'll be able to do that. Mind also, mind you, Don Terry Poe, Jordan Davis. I believe they're, they're they were both like three thirty plus. Jordan Davis was a whole two tenths of a second quicker on the forty yard dash than Don Terry Poe was. Don Terry Poe ran a five flat and had the whole NFL world losing their minds. And Jordan Davis runs. A whole two tenths of a second less than that. Um, another pick I really liked was Jamison Williams to the Chargers. Even though they grabbed Mike Williams, I think the fact that they can open up the offense with a speed guy like that would be huge. Um, now, this was a small bias pick, but I'm tired of hearing people say that Derek Stingley is like is is not good. Like he's not going to get drafted highly. So. Out of spite, I made him fall all the way to 20 to my Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't care. Like, he is very good. And do I believe he'll be picked at 20? No. If he is, you're not going to hear me shut up about it for, like, until until the season starts. Um, We need a corner. Like, it's obvious. I, this is a great fit. If he's there, you obviously take him. You could definitely make an argument, like, the way the board falls, the Vikings might like Trent McDuffie a lot more because he's, a like, he's very, very um, – very, very smart. Um, so, you know, maybe they don't fall in love with Derek Stingley and these teams don't really need corners and he falls all the way to 20. It's just like... Um, it, Zion Johnson I to the say about Stingley. Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah I'm trying good. to run through I know, you're, I know we got the game. My bad. But um, Stingley, like, when's the last time we saw yeah. a good tape on the guy? I mean, it's been, what, two, three years? That's a long time. And didn't participate... So... In the combine Last at all because he thought he was too good for that shit, I guess. Um, and he's just, do I think his stock should plummet? No. Will it? Probably. Because it shows like a lack of work ethic and just not giving a shit. You could tell that in the tape of the last two years. I suppose. But you have to think, okay, this past year, injury, you can call that concern. But he played three games. And he allowed a touchdown, which absolutely murdered his PFF grade. And when you are a corner and you only play three games, that's really the only statistic you have. And that's what everyone's going to go off of. And if you allow one touchdown on a miscommunication, which is what it was, kills your PFF grade. And now everyone thinks, oh, my God, he was terrible all year. Like, to say that he was that terrible, like, he was the best corner in the country at 19 years old. Like, that has not happened Ever. Like that might have happened with Night Train Lane in the 40s, but like that doesn't happen. You don't you don't do that at 19 years old and then watch the whole team get uprooted 
because you put all your eggs in one basket for that recruiting year when, you know, the entire offense of Burrow, Chase, Jefferson, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, then you've got, like, Devin White, Grant Dupp, and all those guys on the deep completely get uprooted, and you're, like, looking around like Will Smith and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because there's no one else there. Your coach uh, ends up leaving. The team's awful. It's really hard to look good as a corner with all that happening. So I don't think he'll fall to 20. I would love for him to fall to 20. This was more so to prove a point. I probably won't do it again. Um, other notable picks, uh, Desmond Ritter going at 27 to Tampa Bay. I think that they're out of their minds to even mention the fact that Blaine Gabbert's going to be the starting quarterback next year. I think that is asinine, and I don't think it'll happen. Asinine. Um, and I, I like Desmond Ritter. I, yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, that's something that's something I would make fun of you for saying. Um, but yeah, I think I like Desmond Ritter. I think 27 is pretty good value for him. Uh, it's not ideal to have to take a quarterback in this class, but as Tampa Bay, you kind of don't have a point or you kind of don't have a choice but to run it back with this team and just try and get as good of a quarterback as you can. Uh, I had the Packers trading out of the first round at 28 with the Jets. The Jets come up to get Trevor Penning. Penning took a little bit of a fall in my mock. Like some people think he's some people think he's better than Charles Cross. I don't really know how you could say that. Mitchell is one of one of those people. He had him going at six to Carolina. I've got him going all the way down here at 28. I just he's a good run stop or a good run blocker, but I just don't think he's got the pass blocking technique at this time. And since the Jets opted to go safety and wide receiver, they still would like to add offensive line. They do it here. Um and then George Karloftis at 32. This was a guy that you you know mentioned to me before was like maybe I'm a little bit too high on him. I had him at seven, I think, in our last mock. And since the combine has happened, there's been like a lot of reports saying like you know these a lot of these NFL teams aren't as high on Karloftis as the media is. So he may have taken a little bit of a fall here, but I think he's a perfect fit for Detroit, especially since they don't get Hutchinson or Thibodeau. You can add another edge. They just cut Trey Flowers today. Um, and George Karloftis just seems like a Dan Campbell player. Well, sweet. I like that mock. Um, anybody can go ahead and check it out on Instagram. Uh, and Mitchell put together one of his own too, and he'll come on and defend defend yeah. his at some point. Obviously, yeah, not as good not. as mine, but and it's he's not even here to discuss his. So, poo poo on you, Mister Mitchell Big Mac. Uh, in the chat, just kind of subliminally talking to us, man. Come on, man. Gotta, gotta hop on the pod. But anyway, uh, good shit on the mock drafts. And that just about does it for our episode. We've got a little bit of a NBA game going on right now that personally I want to see too. I want to see the reactions. Um, ben Simmons, Sixers, James Harden. All Is Harden playing tonight? Yeah, it's Harden and Embiid, Katie and Kyrie, and everybody's ready to go, except for Ben Simmons, because why would he be? All right, well, with that said, let's let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, That does it for me. As your host, Kane Schwartz, Jaden Kozak, signing off. We will catch you probably next week, but we'll keep you informed. All right, peace out.